Welcome back to the Life and Rhythm podcast. Today's episode is all about me and Adam talking around gospel clarity and culture. If you would do us a favor, hit like, subscribe, comment on this. It helps other people find out what we're doing here at Rhythm Community. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoy. Peace. Welcome to the Life and Rhythm podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God with one another for the good of others in the valley as it is in heaven. All right, Adam, welcome. Welcome. How are we doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited to jump into this yeah. uh, conversation around culture. Yeah. What does the gospel have to say about culture? How can we gain clarity on what the gospel is, its impact by understanding culture yeah. better? So to jump into this, I'm going to read a quote from Dallas Willard. It's from his book called The Great Omission, not The Great Commission, The Great Omission back in nice. 2009. And he starts off with this pretty bold statement where he says the greatest issue facing the world today. Dang. Yeah. So okay. listen up. So we should write this down. Maybe write this down. Okay. Maybe put it in the show notes. The greatest issue facing the world today with all of its heartbreaking needs, which you and I can both agree there's a lot of heartbreaking needs around us surrounding racial issues, gender issues, Mm -hmm. surrounding global culture, American culture. There's a lot of needs. And he says the greatest issue is whether those who by profession or by culture are identified as Christians will actually become disciples. Students, apprentices, practitioners. So he kind of qualifies that. The greatest issue is whether or not those people who call themselves Christians or just by culture assume that they are, Mm. will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, where they steadily learn from him how to live this life of the kingdom of heavens into every corner of human existence. Yowza. Yeah. Okay. So let's start off with just, you know, a really simple question. So what is culture, <laughs> Adam? What do you think? <laughs> what is culture? It's a really I'm, slippery word, dude. Yeah. It's like trying to hold on to water a yeah, little bit. I'm going to yeah. say this is not what I think. So this is from Archbishop Derek Warlock. Anytime you qualify a phrase with Archbishop, Archbishop. I trust so, you more. Yep. All right, go ahead. He says that culture is defined by the way we do, it's really profound here, the way we do things around here. This is the way we do things. It's the way we do things around here. Okay. So describe to me, give me a little illustration there. What's the culture of Adam Everett's household? Oh, wow. Maybe I should say, what's the culture of Sherry Everett's household? Because let's be honest. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) How do you do things around there? Well, uh, that's a good question. You a little curveball there. (laughs) Wasn't ready for that one. Um, well, I want to say this first and foremost, okay. that I love this quote by Leslie Newbegin, mm-hmm. and he says, we have to say both God accepts human culture yeah. and also God judges human culture. Okay. So what I'm about to say is both accepting by the Lord <laughs> and also, also he probably has some things wanting to, set straight. to right some wrongs here. Okay. So, Great. Um, but I would say our culture is, um, man, it's, it's done with 
few words come to mind. Hospitality yes. comes to mind. I have experienced that in the Everett household. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about hospitality is I read this quote um, the other day talking about the difference between entertainment and hospitality. Um, it's not just we about live entertaining in a very, friends. Right. We right. live in a very entertaining, seeking culture. Yeah. Um, we could go on about that, but I will digress yeah. here just to talk about our home. Um, when hospitality is presented, it's presented in a serving way. Mm-hmm. So it is a, you know, my wife especially is very, very much that in nature. Like, yes, I'm going to humble myself. Yes. And when you come in, um, it's very much not, not just a completely to serve, but also to be served, like to accommodate yeah. who's coming in, right? Yeah. Uh, because there's a very, there's beauty in um, not setting the table, uh, both literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. of like, here's the agenda for the night. Right. Um, but allowing that whomever comes in to be fully themselves. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really hard thing to do. Entertainment would say like, hey, just don't Sit be back, relax, who you are, and right? let us perform for you right. tonight. And, Smell uh, that Yankee candle. Get, yeah, yeah <laughs> you're dude. Gonna get, yeah, fully, fully fresh Febreze and, yeah. and all the things, right? Henry so. Nowen said that hospitality is loving strangers, not your friends. Dang. That's true hospitality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we have both married wives who do a phenomenal job yeah. at creating a culture in our home of a co- like you're literally accommodating people. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. We're not trying to assimilate them into our culture at that point. We're trying to welcome them as they are, mm-hmm. bring all of who you are into this space. And this is a safe place Absolutely. for you to be vulnerable and honest and um, hopefully restored when you leave this place. Right. So hospitable, yes. What other words would you use to describe on a micro level the Everett household? I have some words. You do? Well, yeah, Yeah. share the words. One of the words that comes to mind that I really appreciate about you and Sherry is the word candor. Ooh. You don't come into a lot of American homes and experience a culture of candor. And what I mean by that is you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And I never have to wonder, leaving the Everett household, are they going to talk bad about me behind my back? Are they going to... Just in front of you. They've said all the things. (laughs) (laughs) They've said all the things to my face. And I appreciate that. I think yeah. that's a pretty rare, beautiful side of, I think that was a part of Christ. Yeah. When he walked the earth, I think that's the kind of culture he was creating. Not just honesty, but like mm-hmm. candor. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I, so, I would say just to, I mean, again, the hospital, hospital, hospitality, yeah. hospitable is yeah. what I wanted to say. Um, but, you know, I also think for just what really has set the stage for uh, a lot of our rhythm, like the practices that we do, is just the rest that you present within your home. Thanks, man. Um, so, again, like I think it's it fits yeah. so well with you know what we're talking about today. Like yeah. you don't have to come and perform, you know. So it's also like, hey, we're not going to entertain for you, but we also don't expect you to perform for us. Mm. Like we want you just to be and to rest. And yeah, to know that you're, <laughs> dude. Above our kitchen sink um, is the word shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace or wholeness. That I think the gospel calls us into. It's calling us into this place of wholeness, 
where we live in this fractured world and we are clearly fractured on the inside. Yeah. And the, the good news is that God is restoring that, putting that back together. He's not burning it up and replacing it with some other thing. Mm. No, he's taking the broken pieces and he's putting it back together. It's why my wife is such an amazing gifted therapist is because she does that in her office mm. as well as in her home. Um, and so on a micro level, we could probably describe different homes, what is culture, it's just the way things are. Mm -hmm. And I love that definition because it, whether you're talking about in America, whether you're talking about politics or education or gender roles, like in different pockets of American society, there are different ways of doing things. Right. And so there's a different way of the way things are. Right. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, in American culture, if that was micro level, let's go macro. Dang. What would you say culturally? This is, this is kind of the culture of America. This is, oh. let's, let's start in a good way. Let's talk on the positives. Let's talk about the beauty of our culture. There's some good yeah, things. I, yeah, I mean, I think the, the first thing that comes to my mind is work ethic or like this idea of, um, yeah. uh, you know, create, uh, creating mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, entrepreneurialism or uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? But just this idea of like innovation. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about how much technology and resources that we've created over the last. Oh, come on. You know, few, yeah. Even just in the last decade. Yeah. Alone. And if God is a creator God yeah. and we're made in his image, then how are we supposed to embody culture should have something to do with yeah. creativity. Absolutely. So that I would 100% that's that's what it was on my mind when I was yeah. thinking what's one of the most beautiful parts of our American culture it's creativity. Yeah. There's a lot of it. And in every aspect of culture you see that. Absolutely. In music and in art and in family and technology there's there's this beautiful creativity that I believe reflects the heart of God mm -hmm. in culture. Yeah. Um so let me read you this really weird African proverb that I think is cool talking about culture, especially on a macro level. Okay. Okay. So think about, I'm going to talk about lions here in a second. Ready? All right. So the African proverb, I stole this from Leslie Newbegin in his book, The Gospel in a Pluralistic Society. He says, uh, there's an African proverb that's until the lions have historians, the hunter will always be the hero of the story. Let me say that again. Until lions have their own historians, the hunter will always be the hero of the story. And what he's getting at there is we can often tell a lot about culture, what the culture is, by asking the question, who is the hero of the story? Dang, dude. So in our Western culture, who is the hero of our story? And if we're being candid, I don't think a lot of people would say, oh, God is the hero of the story. He's the one rescuing and moving history towards his desired end. And he right. is accomplishing this through Holy Spirit-filled, everyday, ordinary people like you and me. And he's accomplishing his purposes, almost like a seed that is planted in the soil. And in an organic way, it takes a lot of time to bear fruit Dang. and nourish and refresh the world. Yeah. Most people don't see God as the hero of the story in America. This, the hero of the story is humanity. Right. So when we say things like, we live in a humanist, society, which is a philosophical word, just to say humans are the engine of right. our culture. Center. Yep. They're the center. They're the hero yep. of the story. They are the hunter. They're the, they're the ones making it yeah. happen. Gosh. Yeah. So that's, for me, that's a huge aspect 
to understanding culture mm-hmm. um, is to ask who is the hero of this story and what do we do about that? And what does it have to say about the gospel, the right. good news? Uh, right. Because we talk often about like, hey, take the pressure off yourself. You can be a non-anxious, cooperative friend of God. Let me say that again. You can be, it's a possibility to be a non-anxious, cooperative friend of God, the creator. You can be a co-creator with him on this earth. And he gets to be the hero of the story. You get to play a part in a story. You have a purpose, huge purpose in the story. I'm not downplaying our purpose. Right. Or, a, or the authority that Jesus gives us or that God from the beginning in Genesis gives Adam and Eve authority. Mm-hmm. They have a say over the way things are, over yeah. culture around us. So he's not a manipulative God. He's not a dictator God. He is an empowering, loving, heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And one of his favorite images for us is being his family. Yeah, man, I, I, there's several things that come to my mind you know, one is uh, how rooted our identity is with wanting to be the hero. Yeah. Because of that, right? So, like, we are, uh, I was thinking about this this last week, um, talking about uh, a group of guys that I'm discipling, and we're, we're walking through um, Followers Made. Uh, so, it's Disciples Made is the company. We're walking through this material, six month long discipleship journey. And um, it's been a beautiful journey, you know, of just kind of peeling away some of these uh, ideologies or, or practices or even identifiers that we sort of are laced with when it comes to this and the gospel. So what we do is we, we say, well, this is how things are around here, and we place the gospel in that, um, and, and we at least for me, very seldom do I ask the question, is this self-directed or culture-directed, American-directed, mm-hmm. um, or is this gospel-directed? Yeah. Is this spirit-led you know? or flesh-led? Right. Yeah. So, like, you could just, you, you very easily get into this place. And I, and, and I want to be very uh, clear with this because I think there's often, often the flesh and spirit-led are too general, right? It doesn't get to the heart of the matter. Um and really what we've, what I've done, again, this is, I'm not going to speak ill of uh, America. I'll just say like me. Um, what I've done is I've been so indoctrinated by my ideologies or my, um, my own cravings, yeah. my own wants and desires that I've taken that and I've enmeshed it within my version of the gospel mm-hmm. And when packaged that way and delivered to somebody else that doesn't have those same set of ideologies or, or values yeah. um, or doesn't identify the same way I do, it's not good news to them <laughs> when I package it up no. and deliver the gospel. It is a lesser valued or a mediocre news, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about that this week of just like, how, how much have I done that in my life? Yeah. Um, unintentionally, um, maybe at times intentionally, yeah. where I've tried to use, sort of use God for my favor, for my benefit, to be the hero of yeah. the story. It's almost, in a sense, it's kind of flipping the golden rule a little bit, because Jesus says in the golden rule in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, love other people as you love yourself. Hmm. And 
and what you're saying is I'm going to love other people, not only the way I want to love myself, but the way in which I love myself, I'm going to impose on them. I'm going to impose my desires, my cravings right. onto them without even a consideration of what they actually desire, right. what they actually need. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I, it reminds me of David Livermore's book, Cultural Intelligence, where he talks about we often enter into these other cultures with the gospel. And we, in an American mindset, we have this from the West to the rest mm-hmm. mentality that we're, we have it all together and we're the missionaries that's going to go take the good news. And without ever listening to the other culture, we just impose our culture onto them and ask them to assimilate into right. our culture. Right. And so there's not really hospitality. Um, there's not a heart towards uh, seeking to understand. There's just a, I've got the answers. If you all would just shut up and listen and, right. and do this. Like I, I took a bunch of high school kids to Zambia and we, were, we did clean water projects, but this was the clean water project. A bunch of Americans had gone village to village and set up these $30,000 water wells and had a big celebration and they just left. And they're supposed to last a long time, but they forgot the whole, like, let's help a villager in that village understand when this thing breaks down, how to fix it. Right. So they have this $30,000 water well, and there's no, there's no tools. Right. There's nobody that understands how it works. And we've just blessed them mm-hmm. with a water well without ever training up a local leader and understanding how they are going to use it. Right. Um, and so, again, the gospel, the good news to us and to everybody is the death resurrection of like that. The centerpiece of it is Jesus, the person of Jesus, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and the kingdom of God come here now. But our ability to bring that gospel into other cultures requires us to first and foremost, listen um, as the great theologian, Matthew Guzman once said, because he said this right before the podcast, he said, it's going to take humility and curiosity. Yeah. If the gospel is going to reach other cultures, we're going to have to enter into it humble and curious because it's, there's, it's not about a formula. I 100% agree with what he right. said. It's not about a formula. It's about love. It's about relationship. And crossing those boundaries does take cultural intelligence, but I think the primary virtue that we probably need to cultivate is humility. Yeah, man, and I think like as we're talking about culture and, and all that you just said, I think for my mind, I immediately go to, uh, even your example of going to like Africa yeah, and it's like, no, there's, there's cultural diversity, um, in and around your neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, in your town, in your city. Yeah. I mean, think about how many different cultures or subcultures are present. I mean, yeah. even just right now, just push pause and just maybe think about, okay, what is, what is my neighborhood look like? You know, do I know that answer yeah. um, of how much diversity there is within my neighborhood? What are the cultures within mm-hmm. my neighborhood? Yeah, I think that's probably why when we talk to a lot of missiologists or people that are studying, how do we have a genuine missional encounter with culture? Okay, so we get clarity around the gospel and we get that through kind of understanding the biblical story and that biblical story paints a picture of us as these, this people that's being formed into the missional family of God and that family is supposed to have a missionary encounter mm-hmm. with culture. Okay, those are all like big, big things. Those <laughs> are big buckets. But then when you get down to like just, okay, what do I do about that? And we talk to people, they're like, well, probably the best thing you can do in your neighborhood 
is start taking walks. Like you hear, you hear these brilliant theologians who have written dozens and dozens of books and you ask them, okay, practically though, how do I start to enter into the culture? And they say things like, well, you probably have a lot of time spent in your house or on your back patio. Just move that onto the front patio. You want to have a gospel encounter with your neighborhood? Start hanging out in the front yard. Like, take your furniture and put it out front. (laughs) Like, notice who's walking and notice who's going by and be present to your neighbors. Or they'll say, you know, once a week even, just take a 20-minute walk around your block. Like, Mm. just take a walk around your block and ask the question, God, what are you trying to do here? And how can I be a part of that? How, How can I join you in your restorative work here and now? That's good. Yeah, I mean, because that's, I think those are the questions that we can ask ourselves, you mm-hmm. know, to, to where, where are, you know, where am I located? So either proximity or yeah. um, how am I, how am I gifted? Like, what are yeah. my gifts? What are my, so passion, what am I yeah. um, passionate about? And so it could be a need, it could be uh, a particular, um, you know, we, we talk about this where we live, work, learn. So if you're in school, uh, or play, like, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of opportunities that, again, the words that we use, so cultural is not just a ethnic diversity or economic diversity. I mean, I, I, again, I think we, we tend to polarize, like, oh, man, somebody that looks drastically different than me. Yeah. Um, how do I engage with that culture? Really, that's, you know, it that's ill-fitting, right? Again, that's like, I'm taking my culture and my, you know, um, my upbringing, my everything, and I'm putting the gospel in it, and I'm trying to deliver that package, and it's just it falls short. Yeah. Um, it, it's not that's not a bad thing. Uh, again, this is not a bad thing, but it's uh, maybe not the thing that we're called to. And you know, to be able to ask the questions of you know, how many cultures are in my neighborhood? What are what are the what's the culture that I'm called to? God, where are you where are you sending me in this place? Mm-hmm. Um, what have I already been doing that I could just have eyes to see where you're at work? Yeah. And understanding that Newbegin quote of like, God is at work in every culture. Yeah. And that it's not entirely broken, right? Like right. it is, yeah. but it's also something to be upheld to say, there's a lot of God's grace and goodness that is a part of this culture. Yeah. I want to be curious about both of those things. God, yeah. I want to see your beauty be expressed in this. Yeah. Not that I bring that and redeem it, but where is it already beautiful and I can just learn from it and grow in it? And, and then where are the things that are hurting your heart? Where is mm-hmm. the, the brokenness or lostness in that? Yeah, John Wesley's word for that is prevenient grace. Yes. That God's grace has gone ahead of us. And it's what we talked about in the spiritual formation and gospel podcast when we said, God, the Holy Spirit is taking the initiative. It's his gracious initiative that's causing all of this to happen. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to the whole non-anxious cooperative friend piece, like he's already up to something. We, we said this last year. I want to go back to this uh, in the first season of the podcast. We said, what would it look like if you, if you were at work and instead of feeling stuck, you understood your true identity as a sent person mm. of peace in that, in that environment? What if mentally everywhere we went when we're coming home at the end of the day and, you know, we'd rather be some of us maybe rather be playing poker with our buddies or going to a movie or go playing around a golf instead of being like, man, I'm stuck at home tonight. What if we actually entered into our house feeling like, no, God, this is where you have me tonight. 
and I'm sent here. I'm not stuck here. Dang. I'm not stuck. I, I am totally sent to my wife and my kids, and I'm here to be a missional presence of peace. I'm here to bring peace and embody the gospel to be a signpost, almost like a road that's pointing, hey, Hawaii, Dude. 600 miles this way. It's like the kingdom of God this way. I'm supposed yeah. to be that signpost pointing people yeah. in that direction. And, and I think the reason, there's several reasons why it goes back to, ultimately it goes back to we are the hero of the story. Yeah. The reasons why we think that's less valued, right? We think that's less than. And so we play this comparison game of, well, man, you know, or, or even a disillusionment of like, what is, what are we called to? Like, we're not called to collect a whole, I guess, like the assembly, right? You know, people quote, um, Hebrews of like, you know, people, uh, people have got you to assemble together. Yeah. Assembly doesn't mean thousands of people. <laughs> it doesn't mean that that deems success or that is fruitful. I mean, I just, you know, I, I can't stand that to be honest, because it's, it's a, it's ill fitting to the, you know, neighborhood pastor, the, the, the woman who is caring, wants to care for, uh, truly care for the widows and the orphans yeah. and her context. And she's looking at, well, I'm not an eloquent speaker or I can't, you know, lead thousands. So I am, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's just not your context nor your culture no. that God is sending you to. And the yeah. beauty of that um, is in order to actually be in every cultural context, uh, of the world to redeem every cultural context. Yeah. Um, we have to, we have to be sent in every corner. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, having this epiphany just as we're talking. So Dang. this is, uh, yeah, I've never had this thought before. <laughs> I'm going to say it. <clears throat> it's not, it's not offensive in any way. It's just, it just occurred to me that maybe because culturally we identify as the hero of the story, that that's a huge piece of why our culture is so consumeristic. So because we believe that we are the we are the hero, the hero in every Hollywood movie eventually comes to some feast. Yeah. They are served. They're the one being served because they're the hero and they've done their part. And so maybe our cultural identity that we've kind of placed on ourselves mm. in an anxious way or a depressed way because we know we're not being the hero that we need to be sometimes. Like we put that pressure on ourselves of, man, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that. But then we recognize in ourselves our own failure. Oh that that identity as the hero of the story is actually what's fueling our consumeristic culture, that that's actually tied into why we're always seeking to be served, yeah. not to serve yeah. other people. And how much freedom would they be? And the Apostle Paul paints that picture, the gospel in Galatians of like, true freedom is not doing what you want when you want to do it. That's yeah. not freedom. You're actually a slave to your own desires in that. Your own sinful appetites will Dude. never be yeah. satisfied Somebody, and he's saying, somebody no, describes, true freedom somebody is... describes hell that way <laughs> yeah. of always getting what you want yeah. when you want it. Yeah. That's hell. Yeah. Dang. Dude. That might be our American culture. We're living in hell. <laughs> you know? I mean, if heaven is a place on earth and we experience the kingdom of God, you have to then, as a reader of the New and Old Testament, you have to at least acknowledge that there's a kingdom of darkness yeah. around us at play in a subversive way. And often the angel of darkness is masquerading as an angel of light. Right. And what if, I'm just asking people that's listening to this or watching this to consider, 
what if you getting everything you want isn't going to actually satisfy your deepest desires? What if surrender to the real hero of the story mm. is actually the thing that's going to bring peace and contentment into your soul? What if that's Man. the good news? And what if that's true freedom? Yeah. And I think, man, I, I want to just pause and just be able to say wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you don't believe that Jesus is Lord to, mm -hmm. you know, going back to Willard's quote of like, I've been a Christian my whole life, um, just to be able to be curious at, yeah. and ask the questions within yourself um, to say, why do I why do I feel the way that I feel about yeah. being the hero of the story? Yeah. About gaining all the, you know, consuming all the things and, you know, quenching my ever last desire. Um, yeah. Just to be able to ask those questions and continue to dig down deeper. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to, I think that it's really easy for people to, some people to listen to this and be like, well, they're talking to, the elite Christians that are like, you know, being sent out to third world countries, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. are like being disciple makers. Yes, we are talking about that, but we're also inviting everyone into the story to say, there may be a different way. Like, yeah, dude. Jesus, <laughs> you know, was, was confined to a very particular people group. He came as a, as a, they called him rabbi. You know, he was a Jewish yeah. teacher. Yeah. He learned the Torah frontwards and backwards. Yeah. He grew in wisdom and stature and he taught. I mean, he was sought after. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, the, the disciples were like, you know, Jesus come and walking on the scene and they're like, hey, I'm going to leave my whole career and go follow him just because he's Jesus. Like they, Jesus built a rapport so much so that they were willing to leave everything yeah. to go after him. Yeah. So he understood cultural context, right? Yeah, dude. Um, at the same time, one of his famous sermons, you know, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, but a lot of his teachings, a compilation of his teachings, uh, he just said, okay, here's what you've heard it said. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to flip it on its head. Yeah, here. I'm creating a whole new kingdom culture. Right. And it's not a subculture, by the way. No. And I think we as Christians do a great job at that in a bad way of creating all these <laughs> other subcultures right. around us instead of entering into, like, culture. We were talking about this before the podcast of, so we the solution is not to withdraw from culture and attack it, right? And just lob grenades at. Mm -hmm. Well, that's bad. Oh, let's, I don't. I don't like that. I bet God wants to destroy that, and then just lobbing grenades. The the solution, as seen in the person of Jesus, is actually instead of withdraw, is engagement, is loving, sacrificial Dude. engagement, where you're actually throwing yourself on the grenade in culture and the willingness to suffer for the sake of others is th that's how transformation in our culture is going to happen. It's the whole Martin Luther King stuff we were talking oh, about yeah. earlier of like, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Dude. <laughs> Only light can drive out darkness. Yeah, man. I was meeting with uh, a guy from new generations and loved to Again, just put a link in the show notes of just jumping on their stuff. Yeah, um, they're awesome. We've learned a lot from them and uh, he's, He's working with guys all over, uh, and gals all over the world, primarily in North and West Africa. And he illustrated this picture to me that just blew my mind at lunch. Yeah. He drew a mosque. And then he drew uh, with a black pen a, a bunch of different people in, in front of the mosque. And then with a red pen, mm. 
he drew a bunch of different people mixed in. And then he drew a road that led away from the mosque mm. out to a, uh, a cross and a, and, a, and a building, a church. And he said, people are being drawn away. So the red people um, are, are symbolizing Christians. Mm -hmm. And the black pen uh, people are representing um, you know, non-Christians or unbelievers. He said the red people are worshiping in the mosque mm -hmm. with non-believers. Yeah. Prayerfully considering who would want to join. Where, where's God at work? Where's God's grace at work? And how can I draw people to the good news? Not being away from the mosque. Like you would think in my, in my Western mind, I was thinking mosque bad, you know, you shouldn't go back to that place. It's evil, right? They're worshiping a false God. They're worshiping Allah. Mm -hmm. But that's not the strategy or the intention. That's not love of being away from the culture, yeah. but actually pressing into it. Yeah. And so they were drawn out to be discipled, to follow Jesus. And then he had another road going back into the mosque. And yeah. so once they became followers of Christ, they came back to the place. Yeah. And what he said was whole mosques, whole communities that are, that are so integrated with this religion, the Muslim religion, that, um, that they would, whole mosques would turn into um, churches. A gathering place for... A gathering yeah. place for, for Christians. Wow. And I'm like, that is such a beautiful picture Damn. of what I would hope for every corner of culture, not just within the valley, but as we're a part of, you know, Go Ministries and seeing and partnering with global movements, that we'd be able to see that and celebrate that, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, with alongside our sisters and brothers that are are doing that work. Yeah. Well, to uh, close today, I would love to speak this over everybody. This is Romans twelve from one of the greatest missionaries to ever live, the Apostle Paul. And he says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, mm -hmm. and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Mm -hmm. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Okay. readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. That's beautiful. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. See you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.